Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hi, this is Big Rich Brock, and thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast today, Big Rich and Friends. We are having a good time, having a big rich time here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's where we're located, where we're doing the podcast. A big shout out and a thanks to Whitfield Media Group. And I'm so excited about all that's going on in my world, in the comedy world, and I'm just blessed. I want to thank all of you for your support, not only listening to this podcast, but if you've attended a show uh, as of today, I have done 93 shows in the last 16 months. I started doing stand-up. I did my first open mic at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is an A-listed club. Uh, everybody knows it nationwide when you're in the comedy world. I went there 16 months ago, did an open mic, went down to Laughing Skull in Midtown Atlanta, another great club, did an open mic there, went back to Chattanooga, did one more, went back to Laughing Skull, did one more, and then I was like, I'm turning pro. I said, I've had enough of this staying up late, driving an hour each way for four minutes. I'm going to book my own shows. And people thought I was crazy. But being a pastor for 25-plus years, preached over 4,000 sermons in that time, planted two churches, worked and uh, led two mega churches. I got tickled. Somebody at a show says, that mega church? No, mega with an E. That means a church over a 1,000 people a week are attending. And I worked in two of those and ran the daily operations of one for over a decade. So I've learned how to speak with people. Uh, I'm comfortable talking in front of people and then learning how to uh, just book shows. And most of the shows that I've done so far, I've done a few clubs. I had the privilege of doing the Comedy Catch uh, just recently and had a great experience and a great, uh, great time, met some really good comedians, had a great time with the owners, the staff, and I encourage you, if you're in the Chattanooga area, to go check out the Comedy Catch. You'll find A-list people, and they're doing a lot of fun things there. But I got to do that for the first time as a performer, had 20 minutes, and it was a lifelong dream. I was like, man, I've got to do something that I've always wanted to do. Most of the shows that I've done, I've done a few other clubs, but most of the shows that Big Rich is doing – I'm doing shows where people haven't had comedy before. I'm in wineries, breweries, a few restaurants. I do private events. Uh, I've been really blessed in the uh, real estate industry where I do a lot of shows for realtors. They bring in their clients. They bring in folks that have done shows. I mean, bought houses, and they want to do a show for them. And they give me a call, and, man, I have a crowd of 80, 90, 100 people. And I thought, man, those are the easy ones. I don't have to do the marketing. I don't have to do that kind of work. But most of them I do. I promote it. I publish the tickets. I do all the media. I've got me a wonderful uh, young person that's helping me out with flyers and those kind of things. Uh, my first uh, my first hire, very, very, very part-time, but a big help. And social media, I've had to learn and take care of, editing, 
all that stuff you have to do. But it's like uh, Janet Williams, the Tennessee tramp, told me when I started, there'll come a season where you won't have to do that anymore. You'll have people for that, and you can focus entirely on your writing and on your comedy. Right now, most of my writing, I do it about 4 in the morning. I might do it midnight, or I might get inspired during the day, jot something down, and then work on it. And I just encourage you, whatever it is that you do, whether it's comedy, whether it's music, whether it's your business, when you feel that inspiration or something tugging on you, don't think, oh, I'll remember that tomorrow. Man, I used to keep a pad and pen by my bed when I was a preacher in case I got an inspiration or a revelation or something I wanted to share. And then I realized I couldn't read my handwriting at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was just scribbling. Looked like I was writing in tongues for you spirit-filled people. And then I thought, well, I'll just put it on my voice recorder. And I had a little voice recorder. But then I was talking like this right here, and I couldn't understand half of it. So now I just shake myself, wake up a minute, and put it on my phone and then listen to it the next day. Don't ever think, oh, I'll remember it tomorrow. Because if you like me, it doesn't happen. <laughs> the next day, I don't even remember that I thought about it. But I'm having a good time, and I hope you are too. And, I, and today, I was going to talk to you a little bit. I get asked a lot after shows. See, one of the things that I enjoy in doing comedy is connecting with people. You know, if if you're new in the comedy scene or you're a young man or young woman that's into it, I'll give you, you know, and you might say, well, what can you tell me? You've only been doing it a year and a half. I've been working with people all my adult life. When I turned 21 years old and became a Christian, at 21 and a half, I went into the ministry. I wouldn't advise that, but that's what God had up his sleeve for me, and that's what I did. And I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to connect with folks, deal with difficult people, and and try to. Some people you just got to kill with kindness, if you know what I mean. Uh, you got to just love them, love them, love them. And you might think I don't want to love them anymore. I'm going to promise you this: love never fails. And if you'll love people, they might not come around, but you're going to stand before God and be clean. You're going to feel good about it. And don't let somebody from the outside determine how you feel on the inside man that's the battle there probably 95 percent of the things we stress about there's nothing we can do about them it's those things that five percent of it that we can't address we've got to focus on so i just encourage you to kill people with kindness to love people and connect with people when i go into a show i try and there'll come a day when there's a thousand plus i won't be able to do it this way but right now I go in, I set up, I come into the show, I say hello, talk a minute. Hey, how did you find out about us? They'll say, I watched you on YouTube. I listened to your podcast. My brother-in-law told me about you. We saw it in the newspaper. They'll give me the how or I, you know, I know you and they'll come out. A lot of people think and I laugh. They say, oh, big rich, all these people that are coming to these shows, you know, you know, all of them. When I first started, you better believe I knew them all. Because when I did my first show, I went into a little winery and uh, a little place that sold wine and beer. And I don't mean a package store. <laughs> I mean a place, you know, where you got those uh, uh, shark toothy boards. You know, you got those charcuterie boards. You got your wine and cheese or your beer and your pretzels. And you sit there and you just talk a little bit or listen to some music. And they had never done comedy. And when I approached them, they said, yeah, we'll give it a try. 
I said, what's your slowest night? They told me the night. I said, can you pay me this or would you want me to sell tickets? They said, sell tickets. They didn't want to pay me a nickel. And I don't blame them. They didn't know what they was getting into. Biggest decision I had to make my first week of comedy was what to charge for those tickets. I remember sweating it out, wondering, what do I charge? Because in my mind, I thought, is anybody going to pay to come hear me do comedy? And I remember my ex-wife, one of the smart things she said, um, <laughs> come on, somebody. Uh, I was thinking $5. And she said, if somebody will pay 5 bucks, they'll pay 10 So I said, okay, 10 bucks." And, man, when I put it on that flyer and I put it out on Facebook and I started telling people, come to my show, 10 bucks." Man, deep inside of me, I thought, you're crazy. There ain't nobody going to come pay $10 to hear you do comedy. That first show, 47 people showed up, $10 a piece. I made more money than they, I was even going to ask them to pay me. Then the next day, my good friend Ray Parker at Big Door Vineyards in White, Georgia. If you're cruising through I-75 and you get almost to Cartersville, you pass Bucky's headed towards Atlanta, you better start thinking about wine and the best view you're going to find from there to Atlanta. That's Big Door Vineyards. He saw that I had done a show, and he called me. He goes, Rich, I didn't even know you did comedy. How long have you been doing this? I said, three days. He said, let's get you over here and do a show. I've done 14 shows there as of this recording because I went and did the first one that he invited me to. $10 a pop, sold it out, 55 people. And see, where I'm at at this thing now, a lot of these things you go to, it might be 10 people, it might be five, or you might go to the big venues where it's a 1,000 folks. I admire and I enjoy Dusty Slay. Dusty's a great comedian. I had the privilege of hearing him at the Comedy Catch years ago, and I really like what he does. And I sent him a tape of when I first started, and I thought, you know, I just like to get his advice. And I didn't even know if he'd get the email. Next day, I get an email from Dusty Slay. And he said this, Rich, when I got this tape and saw it was 19 minutes long, there was no way I was going to listen to it. Well, I just finished it. And, man, you did a great job. I loved it. You got that whole Jerry Clower, uh, James Gregory vibe going, but you're you. And he said, man, I think you're going places. Getting that kind of encouragement, whether you're an athlete, a musician, uh, an entrepreneur, a child or a parent or a comedian, whatever it is you do, when somebody you admire from, from, from somebody that's doing what you want to do stops and says, well done, you're on the right track, man, that's throwing gasoline on the fire. Janet Williams, the Tennessee tramp, did the same thing for me. She heard my stuff, and she's like, listen, you have got it. You're on the right track. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Don't let anybody change you. Donnie Morris, Chattanooga, Tennessee, another one. Gave me great encouragement. Cedric Middlebrooks, great encouragement. There's a lot of people in your life that don't want to encourage you because they don't want to build you up. If you've got a lot of people like that in your life, my question for you is what are they doing there? You say, oh, I married them. Well, I'm praying for you. 
I'm telling you that. Or you might say, well, I'm related to them. Yeah, you can't do much about that. But in your circle, your inner circle, man, surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you and be a blessing to you and you be a blessing to them. Man, the golden rule, my mom and daddy taught me and, and the word of God teaches us, treat others like you want to be treated. Man, that, that never goes outdated. Man, you treat somebody like you want to be treated, good things are going to happen for you. And man, that's the way I try to do this. Do I always do it? No, man, I, I mess up. I get aggravated. I get pissed. There's times I want to be a cussing comedian. You know, there's times I want to just tell people how it is, but I know my lane. I know what I'm, I'm doing, what I'm called to do. And man, I have fun. I enjoy life. You know, I'm not up there. I'm not Pastor Brock. I, I, I'm big rich. I'm doing my comedy, but it's fun and I have a good time with it. And I appreciate the fact that I'm getting to do something that I always wanted to do. And I've got news for you. I couldn't do it if it wasn't for you listening to this podcast, coming out to shows, watching my YouTubes and all that other stuff. But I enjoyed my previous life. I call it a previous life because it feels like it to me. I was a pastor for 25 plus years. I started in the ministry when I was 21 years old. Man, when I was a teenager, I was drinking every night. I was enjoying life. I was chasing girls. I was having fun. I, I was one big party. I was the center of attention if I could do it. And all I cared about was girls having fun, enjoying life, that kind of thing. And lo and behold, I became a Christian. I got born again. And then in the midst of that, I felt God's call on my life. And I have people today, they say, you know, oh, Big Rich, I don't understand why you're not pastoring anymore because I've always heard, you know, once you're called, you're called. Well, you know, I get tickled, and I'm not going to debate that today, but most of the people that preach that are pastors that want to stay employed. You know, they don't want, they don't want to uh, leave that position that they have. But I do believe I'm called, but I'm called to do comedy now, and I'm called to be a blessing to people. You know, the Bible says laughter is a medicine. Man, people need to laugh today. If we ever needed to laugh, it's in 2023, brothers and sisters. It's right now. This crazy world we live in, it's good to be able to laugh. It's good to escape for a few minutes. All entertainment is, whether it's music, movies, comedy, sports, it's escaping for a little while. Man, it's getting your mind off your troubles, getting your mind off your day-to-day -day grind, and enjoying something and making a memory out of the moment. That's what I'm trying to do with my comedy and to get you to think back at something in your life. One of the biggest thrills I have is a comedian is after a show when somebody comes up to me and they say, Hey, I need to buy a t-shirt. No, I'm teasing you. What really gets me cranked up and excites me is when they say, Hey, could I tell you about my father or could I tell you about the first car I ever owned? Could I tell you about the movie that I had, that I went and saw? Could I tell you about my Columbia House Record Club choices? You know, when they hear something in my show that makes them think back to their childhood, their teenage years, or they might be the age where they're having to Google stuff and figure out what I'm talking about sometimes, but it's relatable to people. And when you can relate to somebody and give them a warm fuzzy, let them think about something good, Man, I'm going to tell you something. In my life, 
my life for about five years was like a country song. And I don't mean Florida Georgia line or, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about country. I'm talking about Merle Haggard. I'm talking about David Allen Coe. Uh, I'm talking about those kind of songs. George Jones. He stopped loving her today. Mm, my God, that'll still play today. I'm telling you, my life was like that, where it was heartache, it was hardship, but I didn't focus on that. I focused on the good. I had three boys that loved me, and I love them. I'm a father to three sons that I'm as proud of as a day's long. I've got good family. I have friends in my life. I've got a good sense of humor. I've got a talent and ability that I'm using. I focus on that. I didn't focus on my divorce. I didn't focus on my mother being terminally ill for four years, suffering in pain like I've never seen anybody suffer. And if you've had your mama or daddy or somebody you love suffer to the point that they were in constant pain, that they woke up aching and crying and they went to bed that way, and all they did was sit there in pain, you know what I'm talking about. My mother lived 66 years on this planet. 62 of them, she was healthy, she was happy, and she was enjoying life. I'm going to focus on those years, not the last four. I don't negate them. I know they're real. You know those things are real, but I'm not going to focus on that. I look at it, and I'm, I grieve, and I mourn, and it was painful. But she had so much more going on for her besides sickness and disease. My father and what he went through. Man, I could have dwelled on that, and it could have put me in a place of depression, but I chose not to. I chose to think about the good things. See, I'm telling you today, you might say, man, I thought we was going to talk comedy. Man, this podcast is part comedy, part inspiration, a little bit of frustration, and it might be some aggravation. You never know what I'm going to talk about. But I'll tell you this, no matter what you're going through, you can get through it. We can get on the other side of it. I'm fortunate that I haven't had to walk some of the things. I've got a friend, uh, one of my best friends, and I laugh when uh, I saw him one night. And, uh, well, it was actually at the wed- my second wedding. God help me on that one. Man, they came to my second wedding, and when they walked up, I drew a blank. Man, I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember Susie's name. And I, I looked, and I was introducing them, and I said, this is my good friend Tony and his wife. And Susie looked at me like, I've known you longer than him. I've known you 25 years. And you don't remember my name? Well, it's probably because I was about to marry some crazy woman. I didn't think, what in the world am I doing? And she's given me a hard time about that ever since. And I didn't remember her name. But that couple, man, they went through something with one of their sweet boys. They have four boys. And one of their sons, I was his pastor for years. He had to go through a cancer battle as a child. And he was at the uh, hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, for 360-plus days straight. Went through horrific pain, went through horrific things. Got out, went into remission, came home. Six months later, he was back. And the chemo and the radiation changed that man's life, that young man. And he wasn't the same young man that he was before all that happened. But he's still a, now he's a grown man. And he's alive, and he's making a difference, and he's enjoying life. And I watched them, and they went through tough things. 
but they always got through it and got on the other side. No matter what it is you got going on, man, just hold on. Sometimes you just got to hold on and hang on for a little while and see if you can get through it. But like I was saying, man, my life felt like a country song, and I just chose to praise him anyway. I just chose to work my way through it and focus on the good things. And in the middle of that, and I'm telling you, when you study comedy and you start reading about comedians and their life, most of them went through some traumatic stuff. Most of them are, most of us are a little touched. And I don't mean by God, uh, you know, we've had something go on and in the midst of our pain, we write and we birth comedy. And in the midst of my pain was where I began to birth my story and the things that I share in my shows. And now, man, it's got legs and it's running and we're going somewhere with it. And I'm loving that part of life. Now, my previous life as a pastor, I lived in a fishbowl. Everything I did was judged all the time. And you might say, well, only God judges. Yeah, that's true. You judge yourself lest you be judged. If I judge myself, I ain't got to worry about any other judgment. But I'm talking about people in general. Man, they look at you. Nothing's ever good enough. I was married to a woman where nothing was ever good enough. I worked in a church where, man, it was constant pressure, constant pressure, never enjoying what we were doing, but always wondering, how do we get the next hundred people? How do we get the next hundred thousand dollars? How do we get the next building? How do we get the next uh, van? How do we get the airplane? How do we get this? You've got to stop sometimes and you've got to enjoy life. You got to think about all the things that you've done and, and enjoy the moment. So I encourage you today, man, just enjoy where you're at. You say, oh, Big Rich, you, you don't know where I'm at. No, I don't. But I know one that does. And the Bible says he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So hang in there and just know you're not alone. And man, when I was doing, I get tickled. I, I talk about when I was a pastor and then when I was a, a senior pastor. Uh, and for you guys that aren't church people, being a pastor in a mega church, um, you know, that's a couple thousand people. I was an associate. Uh, it's kind of like in a comedy club. I was the host. I'd get up in the service. And I'd welcome everybody. I'd sing a little bit. I'd pray. I'd do the offering. I'd announce stuff. If somebody left their lights on on their car, I was having to tell them during the break and introduce the pastor. You know, so it's kind of like a host in a comedy club. I did that for 12, 15 years. And then I became that guy. And it was in a smaller setting. Went from a thousands of people to 50 people. Then a hundred people. Then a hundred and fifty. Then two hundred. I hear two fifty, two fifty, two fifty. You know, it's like that. You just start growing. And then I hit a wall. And see, I was in those kind of churches and we were talking about it with some comedians the other night. I was. And they're like, man, tell me what that was like. To see, I worked in a Baptist church for a little while. And I did that for a couple years. And then I worked in what you call the spirit-filled churches. You know, Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith. You can Google all this. Uh, I worked in those kind of churches through the 90s, through the 2000s. 20-plus years. That's what I did. You know, I, I've seen it. I did TV ministry. I've cast out devils, spoke in tongues, all that stuff that you see. I've been around that. I've seen some wonderful people, some of the best people on the planet, and then I've seen some crazy people. 
But I've seen the same thing at Walmart. I've seen the same thing at my son's football and basketball teams. Everywhere you're at in life, you're going to see some of the best people you're ever going to find. And then you're going to have to deal with some knuckleheads. And I always just tell people when they talk about wanting to leave the church because they didn't like somebody. I said, you want to learn how to deal with difficult people? Join a church. Just go ahead and sign up. I had one guy tell me, I don't go to church because all the hypocrites. I said, brother, we can scoot in and make room for one more. <laughs> you know, it'll be okay. You can't let that stop you. You know, when I went back to church, I didn't go to church. You heard my last podcast. Uh, you know, I did a couple ago about Big Rich goes back to church. I didn't go to church for a little while. Man, COVID hit. I started watching it online like everybody else. And even before that, man, went through my divorce. I didn't go off and I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like, you know, it was in my head. You know, I thought everybody was in my business. Man, nobody cared. Literally, a lot of people didn't care. But I couldn't find my place. And then lo and behold, I walked into a church that I attend now, Activation Church in Dallas, Georgia, some good people. Um, don't send them nothing and say, that big rich is crazy. They already know. They already know. But I walked in there that Easter Sunday morning, and I sat down in a chair. And as soon as I plopped down there, I heard in my heart, welcome home. And the first thing I thought was, oh, God, I don't want a home. I want to go home. I'm just over here because it's Easter Sunday. I'm just over here because that's the right, you know, that's the thing the Brocks do. We at least going to go Easter and Christmas. Come on, somebody. We might not go the rest of the time. And I, in my mind, I was like, man, I went to church three or four times a week for 30 years. I got time served. I said, I'm off on good behavior. But I heard welcome home. And I called the pastor, and I asked him if I could take him to lunch, and he ended up taking me to lunch. And I just told him what I told you. And I said, I don't know what that means, but when I'm not on the road and when I'm home, I'll be there, and I'll be a part of what you're doing. I said, I don't have a lot to offer, but what I have, I bring. And uh, he said, man, you just being there is a blessing. And he's a good man, and I appreciate him. And you might not have that in your life. And that might be something that you need, or it might be something that you're thinking, that's not really the route I want to go. You can find community somewhere. Man, I go to a business club in Cartersville, Georgia. And man, there's some great people in that. And there's a couple of nice ones, but it's a community. You know, I got a little local place. I go and have a sip or two every once in a while. It's a community. You can go places. My son, I'm going to tell you, all my friends that I had for 10 years, or I should say acquaintances, because the word friend and the word love, I believe, are the two most used words, misused in the English language. Not everybody's your friend and loves not, not everybody loves you, honey. You know, oh, you know, we'll say, oh, baby, I love you. No, we lust you. Oh, uh, love's a whole different thing. So I try to be careful with those two words. But for 10 years, I had once or longer than that, I had one son that played football and baseball, played a little travel baseball, was quarterback on his middle school JV and high school team, president of the booster club, on the parent board, all that. So my realm of influence was his friend's parents. I saw them all the time, practice, 
games, fundraisers, whatever. He graduates, then I got my middle one. Travel basketball, basketball man, great player. All of my friends and people I spent time with were involved around that. Then he graduates. Now my youngest is a senior in high school at this recording. Plays basketball in, in his high school. And that's a part of my life. Not as much as what it was because being a divorced dad and living an hour away, I'm at the games, but I'm not as involved in the day-to-day stuff. And that, for you guys that are divorced, I know what you're feeling. And I just encourage you. It's hard sometimes to talk to your kids and just, you know, kind of be real. You know, I'll ask them, hey, everything going all right? You know, they're teenagers. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, everything's good. Sometimes I just have to say, listen, you know, I failed you. I can't speak for your mother because she never did anything wrong. And, you know, teasing. I said, I failed you. I said, I'm sorry that I failed you. We went through a divorce, but you know, that's not the end of the world. And I'm going to tell you something. While I went through my second one, I thought, oh my gosh, I've been divorced twice. And I started looking through my family and I have a relative on each side of my family that's been married three times. That's it. And if I marry again, that's where I'll be. And on one side is my cousin who's been married three times. And he was my hero when I was a kid, six years older than me, all state football player, you know, just, just a great, great guy. And, um, I'm an only child. So he's the closest thing I had to a brother. I watched him marry a wonderful woman, have a family. Things were going well. Then life threw him a curveball, And like a lot of us, and I did it myself, I remarried too quick. He did that, was married just a while, and didn't work out. And lo and behold, he was so blessed, he met a woman. And she and he have been married, gosh, 25-plus years, maybe longer. And they're happy. And he's not the same man he was back before he met her. Man, they've grown, they matured, and they got a great life together. And in my mind, I'm like, that's what I want. If I get to that place and I ever do it again, that's who my example is. Now, on the other side of my family, I got an uncle who I love dearly, and he's been married three times to the same woman. Come on, somebody. I said, you know, he's committed, or at least he ought to be, to a mental institution because that woman was nuts. And every time she, and she was married five or six times, every time she divorced, he would remarry her because he loved her. And he, that was his world. And he took care of her all of her life, even when she wasn't married to him. And I'm like, man, I said, I'm in that category now. I'm a guy that's been divorced twice, and I never thought I would be once. And I share that with you today because that's just part of life. And we can't beat ourselves up over that and, and to be encouraged. But I can promise you this. I, I'm taking it. I'm, I'm like that song from the 70s. Slow ride. Take it easy. I ain't in no hurry, baby. I said, right now, I feel like the, the middle-aged man, uh, the middle-aged Taylor Swift of comedy. I want to find true love, but if I don't find it, 
I'm going to write comedy about every date I go on. <laughs> and, and like she makes millions off of songs. That might be what I do with my comedy. And uh, my friend told me, he goes, boy, you're going to hurt yourself in your dating life if you tell everybody that. But I do. I want to find love. But at the same time, I want to live life. I want to be a father to my sons. I want to be a friend to my friends. I want to be a good citizen. And I want to do comedy. And then the other stuff take care of itself. And I just want you to be encouraged today. Man, I hope you've enjoyed the program. I hope you continue to listen to the podcast. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I appreciate you. I've got some great shows coming to the areas all around. And I want to encourage you. If you haven't subscribed to Dry Bar Comedy, go ahead, get the app, Dry Bar Plus. Let them know Big Rich sent you. Because my dry bar special is going to be released here in the next couple months. I got word on it. It'll be out before the end of the year. Um, I just trust it'll be right on time. I believe God's hands on it. And when it's released, it's going to be right on time. And it's going to make an impact in people's lives. So get dry bar plus because it's full of thousands of clean comedians. Great comedy. A lot of fun. And it'll brighten up your day. And then I'm going to be, over the next few weeks, I, man, I've already, in August, I've already sold out two shows, so I want to thank you. I'm going to be down at uh, um, Three Strands three Strands Vineyard. We've already sold it out. Great people down there. You can go by there and have a great glass of wine and be entertained and tell them you want Big Rich back over there where you can come because we've sold it out. But I'm going to be in Ringgold, Georgia on August 10th at the Ringo Depot. And I'm going to be doing a live tape show. We're filming it, and it's called Third Times the Charm. And it's going to be my third tape special, and we're doing it right there in Ringo, Georgia. It's a wonderful venue. There's restaurants all around. We'll have some refreshments and things you can purchase, but you've got great restaurants. It's right off I-75. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite. If you'll go to Eventbrite, Big Rich Brock Comedy, you'll find it. They're $15 a piece. That place holds a, only 185 people, and we're wanting to sell it out. So if you'll spread the word, it's on a Thursday night. Show starts at 7. Man, you'll be out of there way before 9 o'clock. You'll laugh. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy yourself, and then you can go home, go to work the next day with a kick in your step, man. Have a good time. So that's coming up. And then if you're in the Dallas, Georgia area, I'm going to be at Bucking Goat Brewery on Friday night, August 11th. You can get your tickets on Venmo or Cash App at Big Rich Brock Comedy, or you can call down at Bucking Goat. It's a great brewery over in the Seven Hills area of Dallas, Georgia. Can't miss it. Wonderful people. Great beers. Man, you can buy, they, they brew right there can you can walk out of there with a six pack or whatever you need there'll be a food truck on site and we're going to have a lot of fun and then i'm going to be at big door vineyards in white georgia i mentioned them earlier my friend ray parker i've got two shows there on thursday and friday august the 17th and the 18th the friday night show is sold out come on somebody Thank you guys already for buying those tickets. We've added a second show on Thursday, the 17th. The show starts at 6, but you won't be late because everybody will be getting their wine, their food. 
you come on in. I've got a great lineup. I've got Bobby Daniels going to be there. I've got Larissa Orton going to be there and myself, and we're going to have a great time. So check out www.bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Follow me and subscribe on YouTube at Big Rich Brock Comedy, Instagram, and my Facebook page. Those things help. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, bigrichbrockcomedy.com. Thank you for listening.